Welcome to the Chicana Motherworks podcast. We hope you enjoyed our show. We are a collective of Chicana PhD mother scholars, artists, and activists. We created Chicana Motherwork to amplify the lived experiences of mothers of color within and outside academia. Together, as the Chicana Motherwork Collective, we theorize, write, organize, mother, and create spaces for communal healing and care out of our shared belief that the labor of mothering is a transformative act. Porque sin madres no hay revolución. Hi everyone, welcome back to Chicana Motherwork. Um, this is Christine um, here with Cecilia and with Selena, 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 um, and our children. Um, I'm a little flustered because Sanitio is here with us, and so is Serena, her um, Selena's daughter. But Sanitio is just having little meltdowns <laughs> before we start recording. Um, and so before we begin, we um, just want to let you know that we're here with our children today and that we're here um, with our very special guest, Selena. And um, yes, Anitio. Yes. What do you need? <laughs> he doesn't even know what he needs. Anyway. I'm like, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm feel like, like that. I'm like, just, just hug me. <laughs> give me food. Me. <laughs> give me Give me your bosom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's doing. Chichi. He just wants, you want Chichi? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say hi on the microphone? Mm-mm. You know when you hear me on the radio, it's because I'm speaking in here? No? Okay. So we, ep- we dedicate this episode to a mama who has been um, released that was detained by ICE. Um, and so I got an email from the National Day Labor Organizing Network and so they were uh, letting us f- uh, know that um, <laughs> they were letting us like the, they're letting their the folks know that um, one of the mamas who was detained um, was released, and her name is Cel- uh, Cecilia Gomez. Um, she had like a routine interview with USCIS to process her permanent residency, but instead of her interview, she was met with um, immigration and customs enforcement and was brutally arrested. Um, and she was on a flight to en route to Mexico. So her children organized, her oldest son organized really quickly and, and, and got the community involved and other member organizations, and they, they were able to fight for her, for her release. She still has some pending um, I- issues that she needs to take care of, but at least the fight has, you know, it has been met with a lot of support. So that's, that's the good news. And so we will um, introduce um, other folks, the other folks who are here with us today. This is Ceci, and I'm going to do the introduction for our guest today, uh, Selena Peña. So Selena is a second-year community college student at Rio Hondo College. She is working on a transferable social science degree at her, at her school in anthropology, psychology, and sociology, as well as two, not just one, two general studies degrees in social sciences and social behavior and self-development, and a transferable degree in social justice studies. So damn. <laughs> <laughs> And she's also planning on transferring to UCLA in 2019. And she's a single Chicana mom to her three-year-old daughter, Serenity. And she spends most of her days practicing ballet with her and taking her to various advocacy events in her community. She plans to continue doing advocacy work through her life for parenting students and students of color while pursuing her PhD in the field of social justice. Damn, I'm I'm just like, she's just fire. So I'm glad that she's (laughs) here with us. 
And um, also shout out to um, Selena's daughter, who's here with us today, too, and Hanizio. So um, it's just going to show, you know, all of our uh, listeners that, you know, she got a mother work. She got a mothering. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> we got to do what we got to do with the babies. Um, so, you know, shout out to all of our kids. And before we get into the interview, we're just going to do like a quick check in um, for about just 10 minutes just to see how things have been going maybe in the past week or two. So what's what's been up with you, Selena? Um, we've been planning. We're having a parenting student celebration at our school. So we've been pretty heavy with that. And then spring break was last week for us. So me and Serenity just kind of, you know, hanging out getting more like bonded through spring break because now I have a little bit more time. Um, I actually switched my path a little bit educationally, so I'm not going to be doing the sociology anymore. I'm going to do Spanish instead to qualify for the Chicano Chicano studies. So okay, nice. A little bit. Just throwing in the Spanish classes. It's not really much of a change. Okay. But it will end up being another ADT. So it's like, wow. Nice. Pretty much all I got going on right now is just planning Mocha at Rio Hondo and Serenity. That's all. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> a hustler. <laughs> I called her um, um, Sirena. I said it was Serena. We call her. We call her Serena. We call her Seren. Oh. We call her Serenity. Serenidad. So you're fine. Oh, She's got oh. all kinds of names. <laughs> Tell us about her name. So actually, her dad picked it um, when we found out that I was pregnant with her. I don't want to say that I was like disappointed that she was a girl, but I had my hopes set on having a boy. So I was like, I didn't plan for this. Like I didn't have a name. I didn't know what was going on. And um, we got, I think like to the eighth month, like we were getting ready to have her. And I was like, okay, but like, what are we going to name her? Right. So right before we had our baby shower, he's like, well, let's just name her Serenity. Like I like it. And then, you know, we'll give her your middle name, which, which is Jane. So it's Serenity Jane Diaz. And um, that's pretty much that backstory. There's not much to it. She's pretty much lived up to her name <laughs> for the most part. She's pretty. Oh, she's right here. You want to say, say hi? hi? Say hi. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> 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 that was, I heard her. I heard her. And um, and Selena, she's wearing the, so shout out to Nalgona Positivity Pride. She's wearing the, um, our brown bodies and lives are sacred. Um, so that shirt. So I love it. Um, so definitely check out Nalgona Positivity Pride to get your shirt. Oh, yeah. So my daughter's shirt is from, it's a place in Whittier called Casitas de Pueblo. And um, they actually made these for the Women's March. So, and she had them in 5T and youth, and this is like the only girls one. So shout out to them. It was like 10 bucks. So oh, wow. Nice. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so I had. Fuerte. Yeah, our girls are strong, mm -hmm. our brown girls. What about you, Christine? What's a check-in with you? What's been going on? Do you want to check in with me? Oh, she was. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to. <laughs> it's um, okay, Mama. I know. <laughs> I like breathe. I need to do more breathing. Um, just um, the beginning of the spring quarter at UCLA, um, no longer taking courses. I did a writing course last quarter, which was amazing. So it got me writing my dissertation findings chapter. Um, and Cecilia, because you consented that I can share that it's you, one of my participants. Um, I am looking at, um, like, like a lot of you know, follow us, that I, my dissertation focuses on Chicana Latina 
PhD um, attrition and retention, specifically looking at um, mamas and the PhD. And um, Ceci was one of my, fir- my was my first interview actually. I think it was almost a year ago. Oh I shit. believe, yeah, it's been a year. Dang. It's been a year since I interviewed you, and I've been looking at um, Ceci's transcript, and it's so rich. Like it's so there's so much there. Um, so I'm looking at the data, and um, it's really exciting. Sorry, I need to sneeze. <coughs> oh my god! I I also have uh, allergies for from the spring change of season, but um, I'm trying to get as close to being done with my data as possible to consider uh, submitting applications for the next next round of job applications, and I'm really nervous about that. Um, I've seen my partner go through it, and I was telling Ceci earlier how it's impacted me um, in, in really different ways. My partner is a doctoral candidate. He's about to be done. We still haven't heard about postdocs. Some are, are we're waiting for, for, and then some, a lot of them, a lot of things we've, we've received as a family have been no. So like no to fellowships, no to postdocs, um, no to jobs. So it's it's been really hard. And, and so I was telling Ceci that my partners applied to so many things that all those rejections or all those no's, although I understand it, it prepares us and, and it makes us stronger, stronger candidates, it also impacts me. Like I'm also receiving the no. So I was really like in a funk yesterday. So I tried to go for a run this morning. It was kind of hard because I need to always, like you're always ready to do something and they wake up and you're like, (laughs) ah. (laughs) The one day. (laughs) That one day, (laughs) yes. I'm like, I was trying to be quiet. And so I took him with me. So I was only able to run one mile, which was like not a lot, but at least it was like a little warm up. So I was just trying to balance off my, um, you know, those, those different rejections. So that's been impacting me. So I was in a really um, funky place yesterday. So I just watched a lot of RuPaul Drag Race, which is my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite. And I d- that's I d- self-care. That's self-care. I love RuPaul, um, Mama Ru. Um, and I, I didn't wake up early enough to go to my spin class. So um, I just went for a little run. Like, and, and I'm officially like bought my spin shoes. Like It took me a year of doing spin that um, it's a good way for me to crack myself open. So that's like my self-care routine is going to the gym and doing spin and um, running if I can and um, other kinds of cardio and, and weights, weightlifting. And I think a lot of you have heard me talk about my journey. I don't, I haven't lost a lot of weight, but I've lost a lot of inches and I, I my strength, I can feel my strength um, getting better. But I think for me, I feel a lot more balanced if I am um, physically moving. Um, because I'm so like school is stressful, you know, and we're sitting a lot. And so our, we've talked about this, and especially in the last episode with Cecilia and Yvette, um, you know, autoimmune disease can also impact your body. What you eat impacts your body. Sitting down um, on the computer impacts your body and your vision. So like, and it's exhausting. Like um, folks don't give us enough credit, right? Um, that that's also labor. And it, it is like being a freaking student is hella laborious. So um I was just trying to like balance off and shake off like the funk. So I feel a lot better today, um, but it's just part of the journey. And, and I'm just realizing like, this is part of my training. Like I'm, I do plan to be in academia, for, you know, as a professor and I, and I'm just getting, I'm just learning as I go. And so it's tough. Like when you're home on the weekend and you can't like talk about it. Um, so I think this is a space where I could like, just, this is how I'm feeling, you know, like express that here and, and I think folks can do a nod, even 
you know, across the airwaves. So that's my check-in. So that's where I am. So I'm just, if anybody hears of any jobs out there, <laughs> email Chicago. Hook a sister up. Yes, please. <laughs> I want to be a profe. I definitely love teaching. So I'm getting ready for the job market. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you for getting us fed. Fed <laughs> I like to call him our producer. I'll post a picture of him because he does all this a lot of production stuff with Ceci. He he cooked he cooked it, he cooked for us. It was amazing. So thank yeah. you. Chilaquiles with that that pato salsa. <laughs> so it was bomb. <laughs> <laughs> with some cashew crema. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you uh, both for sharing your check-ins. I think yeah, it's just like that busy season. Just a lot of things happening. Um, I've been doing lately just um, travel and like speaking and I think that's it's hard for me because um, I have social anxiety and then I'm also an introvert so it's just being around people I do get exhausted but I do have a lot of um, passion and things that I want to share so I'm I think slowly just learning how to get better at public speaking or just being around a lot of people and students because um, I do I do like it uh, but it's just that my personality is just sometimes being around people all day is just it just depletes my energy and it's very tiring at the end of the day but um, so I think like last month I went on a trip to um, um, so I went to a tribal college um, in Yakima which is a reservation in Washington and um, I was invited to go out there and um, share about my research on Chicana mothering and um, I helped facilitate a writing workshop with the Mellon Mays Undergraduate Fellowship and um, I was also um, then last week I was doing a lot I think I gave my first poetry reading in a long 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 time at CSU Dominguez Hills and I was invited to go um, on a panel with two more um, I would say more established poets because they have books of poetry published and they have poetry fellowships and awards. And then there was me and I don't have a book of poetry published yet, <laughs> but that's one of my plan my goals. And um, I think it went really well. I was really nervous, um, but I do have um, a lot of poetry and writing. And it was, uh, I think it was, I did see kind of the audience's reaction. Um, and then on Friday, uh, this past Friday, I went and did a guest lecture again about my research and Chicana mothering um, for a class in Chicanx studies again at CSU Dominguez Hills. So just doing more um, practice of like, public speaking and meeting with students and uh, presenting. And I think it went really well, but, um, but then again, I'm still, uh, I'm trying to do all of these things, but also still managing my self-care. So like what I talked about on the podcast last time, um, you know, with alopecia and kind of trying different things to manage it. So next week I have an acupuncture appointment. So I'm looking forward to that and just keeping up with the other kinds of changes that I've made. Like, you know, I, I've still been going to therapy, although I have my last therapy uh, appointment with my white boy doc uh, therapist on Wednesday, so I'm kind of sad about it. I'm like, I never thought I would bond with a white man like this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I felt exposed because I saw, um, I saw uh, last night actually, uh, the comedian um, Harry, um, um, how do you pronounce his name? Harry uh, 
Oh, Kandubulu? Yeah, and um, and I felt very exposed because he was talking about um, going to therapy as a person of color, and he was, like, talking shit about, like, white therapists, and he's like, what would you even say to them? And he's like, what if you had, like, a white male therapist, and you go in there, and you just tell them what's going on, and they're just like, what is a problem? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I was so exposed, but I'm like, but I think my white white therapist, he's been good, but he did tell me his partner's a woman of color, so I think that explains a lot, and she's probably done a lot of invisible labor, so I hope he just yeah. gives his whole paycheck to her. Cause that's, on, that's only fair. <laughs> and so I felt very exposed, and, um, and then he was talking about going to therapy with, like, a, a person of color, and just, like, uh, and bonding, like, over, you know, racism and <laughs> things like that. So, so it was good to laugh. It was good to laugh a lot with, like, people of color in the audience and to see him in person. So, that's kind of my check-in. Yeah. So, um, so, we can transition now into our interview with um, Selena. Anything for Selena? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it wrong. Anything for Selena's? Is that what he says? Selena's? Selena. Oh, okay, I'm from the movie, Selena. Girl, <laughs> I'm gonna take away your I'm Chicana card. No, first of all, <laughs> I I need to I need to I need to say something about that. I love and respect Selena, but I'm not jumping on the bandwagon because I wasn't exposed to her when I was young. And okay. It wasn't until she died, oh. and so I cannot take credit for that, like at all. So. No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I had I, I yeah I can't jump on the on, on the wagon. I can't take credit. I can't like like my other homegirls. If y'all did, that's dope. But I I wasn't ex I I can't like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fucking lie. I'm not gonna front. Okay. Um, yeah. No, girl. I was exposed to Cafe Tacuba <laughs> instead. <laughs> so Selena was until after. So it's really beautiful to see the manifestation and the transcendence of her work and her music now and her art and even like makeup, which is dope. Yeah. So no, you cannot take a witch kind of card, okay? <laughs> because gonna, I was Mexican first. You're gonna fight me now. No, it's okay. <laughs> so yeah, I've been wanting to talk about that a little bit because I'm like, no, girl, like. Um, a lot of my friends follow Selena, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't lie. You yeah, know? And I'm yeah, not going to yeah. lie. I'm just like, well, at least you remember when she was alive. Yeah. I remember <laughs> when she was alive. I remember she was alive and I remember when they, they, they when she, you know, when they killed her, which was yeah. awful. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, who is this? And I'm like, what? And then her music became so popular then. And I'm mm -hmm. like, damn, that's really fucked up. You know what happened to this young woman of color? So, you but yeah, I just wanted to put that, just make clear up the air now. I've been thinking about this for years. You know what? You know what? <laughs> what fucked me up is that my dad. I remember when they were casting for the movie. You know, because they already had Jennifer Lopez to oh do the lead, yeah. but they were looking for the young Selena, and they showed like on the news or whatever um, in Spanish. And I would watch TV with my parents, and my dad would tell me, "Oh, you should go try out for uh, to do." the casting for the young Selena and I'm like I don't look like her I'm like I don't look I'm like I don't look like a white Latina like I'm dark and I have curly hair like no so then I get kind of salty about like colorism in the Chicanx community because I'm just like I can't dress up like her on Halloween okay I have problems I have issues but <laughs> but that's my own shit I know Oh yeah, Ooh, Celia Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's my, that's my. <laughs> In all fairness, I shit. think I was like four when the oh. movie came <laughs> out. So, 
I didn't really grow up like with her music per se, oh, but okay. it was like I wasn't ever exposed to like the authentic Selena. Mm-hmm. So I don't really claim it either. I don't jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> our kids, I think our kids, our kids are finally like playing with each other <laughs> through, through music. They're playing. They're they're like yeah. They had some reasons. Now so they're, they're bonding. They're bonding. So I'm I'm glad because Sanicio like is shy and it sounds it seems like the baby Serena Sabian is shy. Okay. So now we're going to get into some questions. Um, (laughs) All right. All right. Oh, no. First, we're going to do some statistics about community college and then questions. So I think um, we're excited to have uh, Selena here because um, both Ceci and I are community college transfer students. Yeah. <laughs> so we <laughs> like to represent that we're community college transfer students. I was at LA Mission College for three and a half years, almost four years, and I transferred to UCLA in 2004. And I was the only Chicana from all students admitted that year to go into a UC, which is what blew my mind. Where did you go, Ceci? I went to Los Medanos Community College in Pittsburgh, P World, in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> I rep the Bay till I die. She totally yeah. does. Even though I live in LA. It's okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> for us, we, we were excited to have something like because she's a community college student, soon to be transfer student. So it's really exciting. But I did want to um, just kind of elaborate on some statistics. And I'm pulling from. One of the studies that Dr. Marta Herrivas, um, uh, Janet Perez, Crista, doc, uh, J- Cristal R- Alvarez, who passed away last year, who one of our colleagas from UCLA, um, and Dr. Daniel Solorzano. This study is um, the Latina Latino transfer student understanding the critical role of the transfer process in California's post-secondary institutions. And so this study, uh, it's a little dated. <laughs> And it's from 2007. <laughs> now you can see the music. <laughs> They're having a ball right now. Um, so in 2000, it's, it's dated from 2007. The statistics haven't shifted too much. But we do want to talk about the Latino Latino education pipeline. So from the 100 students in elementary school, 52 will graduate from high school. 19 will go to community college. From those 19, I think it's been 17 as of late, right, the last few years. From those 17 to 19, 19 in 2007, but now 17, I think now in this around this time in 2017, 2018, one will transfer to a four-year college. So only one. So there's a lot of push out. Yeah. So many institutional factors that are determined by... Um, racism and classism and then issues with gender which um mm-hmm. S- uh, selena's going to talk about at her community college and motherhood right yes and, and being mothers yeah or parenthood for those who are identify as just of parents but and from within that one transfer student right like from the one um 10 will graduate with a degree a ba like uh, th- that you need to also push through that pipeline right like from transferring to the uc then finishing your BA degree at UCLA because when you get to UCLA, right? Because you're going to get that, right? Um, and then from those 10, um, four will earn a degree and then 0.4 and it's gotten lower. It's now 0.2 out of like one complete person will mm. earn a PhD. But there is a, there's a study out there and I'm having a hard time looking for it right now, but I will look for it and we can post it on our Instagram that shows in statistics that 
um, transfer students are most likely to earn PhDs. So oh damn yeah oh hey yeah so we're in, like we're sitting in <laughs> a table like a, a prospective doctoral student here. Hopefully that's one of your goals. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna learn that about you. So I just wanted to elaborate some of the studies and and we can update. Um, so we can also provide some of the the citations for the most updated statistics. But that's I wanted to pull this out because Marta Rivas, one of my femtors, was one of the first um, student mothers I actually saw. Um, graduate from UCLA when I was just barely admitted. So, mm. and I knew about a mom, which is Ms. Name Comadre Nora, but Marta Rivas, Doctora Marta Rivas, has now two daughters, finished her PhD a few years ago um, with the two little ones. So, I wanted to bring this study to light because of the work that she's done and the, and the representation of motherhood. All right, so now for our questions. Um, about being a single Chicana mom on welfare in community college and also um, organizing your campus and being active in the community. So we have a lot of questions about all of those things. So first we wanna know, it just if you wanna tell us a little bit more about yourself, where'd you grow up and what schools did you go to? So I grew up kind of all over. My mom, it was just me and my mom, she was a single mother too when I was younger. So we moved, I wanna say the number she gave me was like, we moved like 12 times before I hit kindergarten. Um, and I mean like all over, we lived in Walnut, we lived in LA, we lived in Norwalk, we lived in Santa Fe Springs with my grandparents and back to Ontario. So there was never like a home except for grandma's home, which is Santa Fe Springs. So now we still live there. I grew, I consider that being like my home where I grew up. I went to school around there, all that kind of stuff. In that though, um, in the growing up process, that was like a predominantly white neighborhood, like when my grandparents came. So when my grandparents came and they immigrated, it was very like civil rightsy, don't be brown. So a lot of our like Hispanic heritage got wiped out. Like aside from minimalist like tortilla stuff like that, we grew up very like Americanized, very you don't speak Spanish, you don't you know, you gotta know English. They didn't even teach us Spanish. So we grew up like that. I went to school in those areas and grew up with the same kind of like reinforcement of like, yeah, you know, you can be Hispanic and that's cool, but like, don't be a paisa or don't be like one of those Mexicans. So it's kind of like weird. And then I got older. I met my daughter's dad in high school and we were together for like five and a half or six years before I had my daughter. And um, that relationship was really ugly. It was like a DV relationship, which is domestic violence the whole time, like from high school till I was 23 when I left her dad. So then after that, I mean, I had serenity and it was just like, I was in this predicament of me and her dad had just agreed that I was gonna be a stay at home mom. And I was like exclusively breastfeeding her and she was like eight months old and I had nowhere to go. So the only thing that I needed to do was to apply for welfare. And I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I knew is that I had to get out of there and that's what we did. So basically when you get on welfare, it's like, okay, here's your money, but you have to do an activity. And you have hour requirements every week and stuff like that. So that's how I went back to school. It was like, you can go back to work or you can go to school. And the lady that I happened to have as my worker at that time was like, you're too young. You're not gonna go to job club. You're not gonna go to work. Like you need to go to school. And I was like, no, you're crazy. Like I have a one-year-old, I need to go to work. No, you're gonna go to school. And so that's kind of how that happened. and. I started at Rio Hondo in the spring of 2016, and it's been a weird journey. 
ever mm-hmm. since. I was super antisocial, probably due to a lot of trauma, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I didn't like, yeah. I went in, put my headphones on, studied, went home. That yeah. was it. Like, I didn't talk to anybody. I always had my paperwork filled out so I didn't even have to talk to the counselors. It was just like, just sign it, send it to my worker, let's go. And about this time last year was when I really started to open up. I started working in my CalWORKs office. I started to get to know a lot of other ladies like me that went through things like me. We're trying to do the same things as I was. We were all trying to transfer. We were all trying to kind of find what life was after, you know, leaving your partner, starting over, mm-hmm. having your children, mm-hmm. and being established. It's like, what now? Mm-hmm. So then I went to CCCP in the summer, and that's where I heard Christine and Nora speak about, you know, like they had us do an activity where they drew, like, UCLA on these big, like, Post-it papers, and you had to, like, put your kid's name in your name and any other kids watching you to kind of, like, symbolize that not only do you belong here, but so do your children. Mm. Like, this is oh, space. That's powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was so amazing, and that whole weekend was just so eye-opening that I went back to school the following Monday and was like, we need to start a mocha. We need to mm. do, like, where are these things? Yeah. Like, just on the ball, and it's been that way ever since. Dang, so shout-out. Yeah, um, and thank you for sharing about being um, a DV uh, survivor um, and – um, how hard it is to get the support and resources that you need to uh, just get into um, get into the next step, like you're saying. So, you know, um, having welfare or going to getting support to go to school, um, you know, work or whatever it is. So, um, so thank you for being that um, example because it can feel so um, hard. And I think and um and thank you for sharing the story because i feel like there still is a lot of stigma of being um a single chicana mom so i was a single chicana mom too i mean i have a a, i'm in a relationship now but um um after i graduated high school is when i separated from my son's dad and it was really really hard because it's like all of the mothering um it just falls onto you and there isn't and i felt like I don't know if, if you felt like that too, but I, I did, I even internalized that own stigma just because of all the messaging of like what the mainstream media says, like, oh, I'm just going to like be a dropout or I'm not going to go to a PhD program. Um, like I failed to keep my family together. Um, There's just a lot of things I internalized. I think for, for me, it was like I came from, my mom didn't go to school. My mom always had, she lucked out and always had like amazing jobs. Like I can't ever say that I was one of those kids that like I never worried about was I going to get new clothes for school in the fall? Were we going to like have to get out of our apartment? My mom always lucked out and had an amazing career. The only thing with that is that it didn't leave time like for me to bond with her. So it was always Mm -hmm. like you're independent. Like you can do that, Selena. Like you can do this. And, you know. You hear that, but if you never see it or you're never really, like, shown this is how you do it, you always grow up with that insecurity of, like, do I know how to do it? So even now in my mothering, I'm always like, you know what you're doing, but do you know what you're doing? Or you have, like, that doubt. Um, Yeah, so I think that's also what we talked about kind of on the episode last week of, like, um, the intergenerational mothering, or it's, like, another thing that we talk about. And I know, Christine, you have mentioned, too, um, the ways that we were parented it's like there are some things we want to do differently but then it's hard if you want to do something differently then yeah then how do we know or what are the models or what are the resources and you're always greeted with like a lot of pushback so like with my daughter i'm very like patient like i'm like okay like have your fit like that's cool 
you know, let me know when you're done. <laughs> and when I was younger, it was like, oh, you're going to have a fit? Oh, like greeted with so much like resistance. And now, yeah. too, in parenting, it's like, well, you're just going to let her act like that. And it's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, she's three. Yeah. <laughs> I can't sit and reason with her and say, you know, this is why we're not going to eat fruit snacks at two o'clock in the morning. Or this is why we can't have ice yeah. cream, even though it's in the fridge. Like, you know, she's not going to get that. So the best thing I can do is like, okay. Let me wait until you're clear headed. Like it's okay. It's totally okay to cry. Like your mom's a Chiona too. Like oh my go God. for We're it. All I'm you know, such a Chiona too. And then yeah, when yeah. you're ready to <laughs> receive it, we yeah. can talk about ice cream isn't good in the morning because it's not breakfast food or yeah. however you know it mm -hmm. can resonate with her. Mm -hmm. And even just like no spanking, it's really rare. Like sometimes I give her a tight like a little tap just because I'm done and I'm like, hey, that's it. Like <laughs> enough. Like here mm -hmm. it is. And then like you know she freaks out. And then it's like, oh, no, you're going to hit her. But I never hit her. So there's always just mm -hmm. like some kind of if I'm not doing it the way we were raised or the way that like my grandparents were raised, even weaning her from breastfeeding. So mm -hmm. I try to wean her well, this time last year, like at the mm -hmm. end of my spring semester. And of course, you know, she screams and she cries because she wants Chi Chi. Mm -hmm. And literally my grandpa would go to the door and be like, can you just give her Chi Chi? Like, this is too much. She's going to get yeah. sick. And I'm like. She's not going to get sick. <laughs> like She's just Just upset. like giving you all that mom guilt. Yeah. So yeah. finally, it wasn't until I went to the CCCP thing because we were gone for those three days that I came back and I was like, no, you're okay. Like, you don't need Chi Chi. And we still, you know, it was not as bad, but it was still, you know, she would cry for like an hour before bed and then she'd go to sleep. And now, you know, we're almost a year later and we're good. But it's like, there's no right way and there's no wrong way. Everything's just the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. And it's crazy. And on top of that, like papers and school and yeah, I just feel like um, women of color moms just get anything we do, no matter anything it is. It's like there's a judgment, and it's just like it's. I'm so tired of it because it's just like the fathers or men aren't treated that same way at all. It's. I think that we're women of color, especially we're like brought up to be. Not only like the rock of the family, like you're like my grandma's a perfect example. When she passed away, like matriarch, nobody knew how to interact with each other. Nobody knew how to do like anything. It was so weird. But yet, you know, like the men in my family, it's kind of like there's so much to give. And even my mom, my mom was the only daughter of three kids. So my mom was always like very independent and pushed aside and like, oh, you'll be fine, mija oh, you know, you've got your own place. Like, I'm I'm going to worry about your brothers. Or, And it's like, while, yes, we're born, and I think that it's like we're born and we're women and we're, we're taught to be, like, so loving. And so, and love is, like, a healing, right? So you're a healer. You're a stone. You're, like, the, the main point of your family. But at the same time, like, in my eyes, my daughter wasn't born to heal anybody else's kid. Like, when she gets older, her job is not to heal somebody's son who didn't get raised you know, to learn how to deal with their trauma. So in the same force, though, if I don't learn how to deal with my trauma, which is not going to come necessarily from family, then I need to deal with mine so she knows it's okay to have trauma and it's okay to go through things, but it's nobody's job to deal with it except for you. And the same thing for someone else. Like, that's not your job. And a lot of us are, you know, you grow up and, oh, that's just how they are, mija, or that's just this. And it's like, no, <laughs> you can fix that, like, for the men that we interact with, the men that you're raised with, you know, oh, that's just how your deals are. Oh, they're just machismo. Like, there's so much more. Like, they can fix it mm -hmm. if we stopped babying them. Mm -hmm. So, And it's not our job to fix them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I think that's part of, like, raising um, a girl. 
yeah, and why it's even more so to raise her to be like her shirt says, fuerte, strong, um, to be her own person. And I think that resonates um, with there's I think uh, somebody posted on Instagram and I really appreciated it. Like, I'm not your rehab. Like, and, and I really appreciate that because there's some like personal family things that have been happening at, at home at not my home, but like at my mom's home where um, one of our family members, you know, still can't deal with their own trauma. And my mom has been the the person to I'm just making sure they're not hurting their bodies. Um, like my mom becomes that that one that vessel to be somebody's rehab. And I'm like, no, like. I refuse that, and I reject that, and I, I'm not okay with that. So I think that's where I have a, a, a hard time with raising Hanitio. Like, also raising a boy is really hard, right? Like, as we're all raising boys and girls, conscious boy, babies, baby brown brown babies, it's, it's like reminding them that it's nobody else's work but their own. And, like, I think as mamas right now, it's definitely um, a lot of work for us to, like, rewire that trauma. Because I'm still working through my own trauma, and I can see how it's manifesting and how it's transforming and changing. Where my mom is now coming to terms and just verbally, like, been saying things like, "I know at 13, she w- she was mentioning to me like she was up in San Luis with my stepdad and in his in his family, and they pulled out a picture, and I was in it, and I was like 13, I think, and I was with their kids, and then um, she she said you were laughing, but I did not want to see it. I didn't want to see the picture, and I'm like. And I'm like, why? She's like, because I know how much you were suffering at that time. And I'm like, fuck, like you haven't validated that like that in a long time. Like she's been trying to validate my trauma and my pain during that time period when she was absent as my mother emotionally, not physically, but emotionally. And I think that's so damaging sometimes and physically because she works so much that she's now validating it and, and accounting for it. And I'm like, this is a way of rewiring trauma. For you to verbally tell me that you recognize that I was fucking go- going through shit at that time. And so that allows me to then hopefully not perpetuate the same. And I know we can't, sometimes we can't help it with our children, like how we raise our children. Like I'm really hard on Honey too, but he, he just has a really strong personality. And, and I just try to be super like clear and like consistent but he pushes my he's like the best lawyer i've ever encountered <laughs> he's such a great negotiator right, right now he's watching ninjago and he is not allowed to watch ninjago but he, he needs to just be over there <laughs> you know like he needs to be in the living room right now so you know what whatever right now it's okay um but that re- that reminds me of what you're saying like we're trying to rewire and like refuse trauma or perpetuating the trauma that we've experienced and so it's hard and you know i'm glad to say that you know, um, we're in, we're in ceremony, so like he also he also reminded that reminded us about that a, cu- a few weeks ago when we went to ceremony for the spring, and he pulled out his hand drum and started singing songs, and I mm. thought he would never want to do that because he refused it for a long time, and for me to see him like keeping the heartbeat for the ceremony, sit up ceremony, I was like, oh my god, like so you have been paying attention, mm. so you do know these songs. So you do know how to keep the heartbeats. I'm like, okay, we're doing a good job. Like, even though we always feel like we're never doing enough or not good enough, it was really important for for me to see that. So I think we're all working on that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Christine. Um, yeah, I think we're all in the, in the struggle together. And um, if anyone's listening, if they share, like, similar kinds of struggles with, like, um, 
how to like parent or mother through trauma. You know, I think that's one another theme of like kind of what we've been working on for Chicana Mother Work. Um, you know, yeah, just let us know. Um, we want to do um, more shows specifically about that. Um, so for the next question, um, we wanted to know. So it's a, another question about um, sing, being a single mom. So how did you, and you kind of talked about this just now, but how did you become a single mom and what are some challenges you've faced and, but what have been some wins? So in becoming a single mom, I, first of all, becoming a mother was really hard. I was always one of those people that's like, I'm never going to have kids. Like, yeah, I've I heard was that. so <laughs> yeah, scared yeah, yeah. of, you know, how I was raised and like the, the distancing that I feel like with my mom and just my family in general, even at this stage, I was like, I would never want to put somebody through that. Yeah. And, you know, then I met my daughter's dad and we went through all the stuff that we went through. And um, here I am with a three year old. So obviously my plans got a little skewed um, when me and her dad finally like broke up. We were living together in an apartment. And so basically what had happened was during my whole pregnancy, um, her dad was really good about not doing anything like physically mm. violent towards me. So that I n stopped worrying about that because I was like, oh, you know, it's over. And then when we finally moved in with each other, all of a sudden it was like little things, like little microaggressions and like little shoves. And then it just like mm. got so bad that our neighbors called the cops finally. Mm. And it was like the reason that I knew that it was like done and he really didn't care about anybody's safety was he was getting his things to leave before the police came. And he literally just, like, turned around and punched me in the face with serenity right here. Mm. Like, you know, inches. And I was like, oh, my God. If I would have moved or I would have flinched, I would have done anything. Like, that would have been serenity's head. And it was bad. Like, my whole lip was busted almost up to, like, my nose on the inside. So imagine, like, hitting an infant. Like, mm. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And then raise her and expect her to be some functioning human in society. She's going to be just like me and her dad. Like, in the same cycle, in the same, had to leave. So I went to my mom's, and that was not the best place for us to go either. You know, luckily my grandma was still alive, and she was well. Like, my grandma was super thriving. Like, she worked pretty much until the day she had her stroke. Like, she was going to get tamales, like the masa and stuff, and she came home and just, like, sat down, and my sister and the baby were in my room, and I just heard, like, all this, like, scuffling, and she just had a stroke, and, like, mm. you know, she was in the hospital and all that kind of stuff, and then she came home, and we'll kind of get into that when I talk about, like, being in community college, but with that being said, I still was trying to work things out with my daughter's dad. There, You know, there's always hope, like you said, like, you want to give your kids that family. You want to, you know, I wanted her to have her complete family, but the reality is, like, it's not going to work. It would not have been safe. And so finally, like, I was just like, this is, like, stupid, like, for us to keep trying to come to an agreement. Like, there's, like, this judgment of, oh, you're keeping your daughter from her dad. And it's mm -hmm. like, I'm keeping my daughter from violence. Mm -hmm. I'm not keeping mm -hmm. her from him as a human being. I'm keeping right. her from the... Keeping her safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when that came, part of the challenges that I faced were going back to school while breastfeeding a daughter, you know, with no... Real support. Nobody really understood what it was to go back to school. It was just like, oh, you're going to go to school, Miha. And it's like, okay, but there's papers, there's reading, there's, you know. Childcare. Yeah. So that was always like, my mom actually had a heart attack in, 
uh, I want to say like June of 2016. So shortly after I went back to school. And that my mom says that she had her heart attack be because like she was so stressed out because my stepdad's really weird. I don't know how to really phrase that one. But my mom couldn't take my daughter to her house. So mm -hmm. she had to watch her at my grandma's house. And it kind of just set in like, I can't have a relationship with my granddaughter or my daughter outside of the parameters of what he gives her as far as space, as far as like she wasn't working. So whatever gas money she got, everything. And it was just like too much for her. And after that, she stopped watching her and my grandma would watch her. And it was like so inconsistent. And, you know, you have to take everything online. And if you've tried to take a history class in the summer online, it's really not that easy. Like with a breastfeeding, like, you know, toddler. So that's been a challenge, a challenge of like the stigma of, oh, you're, you're a single mom and you're in school. Like, why aren't you working? Why aren't you this? Oh, you still live with your grandparents. It's like, that's not what works for us. And in the beginning, I was like, no, we got to move. I got to do this. I got to hurry up. I'm, I'm not going to transfer. I'm just going just gonna to finish and get an AA and go work somewhere. But if we're going to stay in California, like, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's too... You know, it's too expensive to live here on just an AA, like, salary. Like, you have to at least get a master's now. And if I'm going to get a master's, I might as well just get a PhD because it's not that much longer. Mm -hmm. So that's been a challenge. Um, the stigma of people just being like, oh, how do you do it? It's almost like, how do you do it? It's a microaggression. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I get they up. expect you not even to be there at all. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't know how you run Mocha. And I don't know how you do homework. And, oh, you have all A's right now? That's crazy. How do you do it? And it's like, well, how do you do it? <laughs> how <laughs> right? do you wake yeah, up like in the morning and get your kid dressed and drop them off at school and go to class? Like, it's that's just our life. It's not a how do you do. That's literally what we do. That's our yeah. life. My daughter mm -hmm. knows the college campus. She knows we're going to go see Tia Lolly, which is one of my counselors at school who's also, like, a dear friend of mine. She, we're going to go to the library. Mama has to read. Mama has to study. This is the real life. It's not a how do you do it or, like, some kind of special, like, thing it's literally how we operate when you're a parent in academia like you just do and you get your papers done on time and you get your kids to school on time and you brush their teeth and wash their face before bed like every day so that's kind of been what that is and then the wins they've all been wins <laughs> i can't <laughs> i try to stay more positive um my social anxiety is like on the low right now but also on the high at the same time so, like, this semester, I've been interacting more interpersonally, but I've also had to interpersonally interact with, like, vice president of the school, and that's more like, oh, God. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not a professional person. So thinking about having to write a formal email or having to invite somebody to our parenting student celebration is, like, it's too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also, it gets done. Like, you get over it. I'm like, okay, but I have to have these people here, so... Yeah, it's been a lot of wins and just coming out of my shell and kind of remembering, um, you know, who who you are, like through all the trauma that I went through with my daughter's dad, you kind of lose that voice that you have. I was mm -hmm. super outspoken and very social justice. And I wanted to, like, go out of the country and, like, serve and, you know, do all this stuff. And then I was just like, I'm just going to stay home. Like, mm -hmm. just not going to go outside. I don't need to go outside. And mm -hmm. it's just been a crazy, like, turnaround. Yeah. yeah. Damn. <laughs> I'm so I'm so proud and honored that you're here with us and you're sharing your story with us Thank and our you. listeners. 
um, that, yeah, I think um, how you're saying you're doing what you're doing, but um, you're doing what you're doing, and it's not like how you said, it's not like out of the ordinary, but it's still like, it still is, um, we do want to, so part of like she got a mother work, we want to show more people like you who have um, dealt with um, just difficult things in their lives or like not having enough um, institutional support or resources um, and you're here and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and hopefully you'll, you will be at UCLA and continuing your work with Mocha there. Um, I'm like hella heart recruiting hard. <laughs> I'm like, do you want to take it over? Three of us are moving. Um, three of us are moving out of the Mocha at UCLA. And I was already telling Selena, but um, I do want to share some of the. Um, so some of the so when I do a, a when I teach a class or I teach like a workshop on my work on my dissertation, I usually have folks help me with the word cloud while I'm there giving a talk. And so I want to read out some some of the terms of. Um, we had to we had to get the Wi-Fi on for for Serena so so she can watch her Hulu. So <laughs> we're like hustling here trying to get passwords <laughs> in while we're talking and, and and taking notes. But um, some of the some of the terms that come up, um, in terms of like what people think these stereotypes, right? Thus, Selena was talking about, are pretty painful and powerful, and and so they're very impactful. So in my work. And I encourage others who are doing similar work in terms of dismantling, challenging, and resisting stereotypes about women of color in, in academia. And this is across all, all, all education from K through, th not from K, but from high, high school. school on, yeah. right? Like even middle school, because we have had younger women get pregnant. Um, mm -hmm. And they just don't get pregnant, right? It just doesn't happen, right? Like that, it takes two people to mm -hmm. be active members in this kind of work, right? Mm -hmm. Getting someone pregnant means two parties are involved. So it pisses me off when someone's like, she got herself pregnant. Like, no, she did not get herself pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. some of these stereotypes I follow, um, and I can post this on our Instagram too, Ceci. I can create like a little Canva okay. um, art on it. But some of the work, some of the really big keywords here, as you can see, and this came from one of the, um, from my rack. And my rack was where I did my pilot, one of my pilot studies. And I also did it at, I do it at Cal States. And, I, and the first the first time I did it was at Cal State Dominguez Hills, and um, and I'll do it again because I'll be doing a guest lecture on Tuesday. Um, but it, I also did it at UCLA during my rack, and these are the keywords that came up. So these these, these word clouds start to like formulate the, like the common the common terms that people are plugging in on the on the um, on the on the um, poll. And irresponsible is the biggest one, and we can see irrespons irresponsible callejera whore. A slutty, traviesa, ho, uh, failure, failure dropout, dropout, dumb, skank. Like these are like promiscuous, incomplete, incompetent. Oh, okay, we can. We'll, we'll tell her right now. We can share right now. So these are the terms that like a lot of folks are plugging in, and this is across all education, right? So these are the stereotypes that we're walking with already embedded in our bodies, embedded in our thinking, embedded like in, not in our own thinking. And sometimes we also like unconscious bias. Yes. Even in these institutions. Yeah. Yes. Like we already know that this is what they think about us. So we're fighting these stereotypes on the daily. Right. And so I encourage folks to um, work through 
work through this. Uh, this is a this is an issue in higher education. This is an issue in, in high school, right? Like how we perceive people. So I encourage folks to really help this like this dismantle this and challenge it. And one way to do it is bring in your own mother into the work. How are these the terms you use for your own mother? And I get it because I also didn't have a relationship with my mom. I get it that not everybody has a good relationship with their mother, but those who raised you, because it could be an auntie, it could be a Nina, and there's always like a female pers- presence there somewhere, most of the time, right? Like not always, most of the time that that uh, that raised you. And so how can you challenge that by bringing those folks into the classroom when you're thinking about these stereotypes about women in academia, especially like women of color, Chicana, Latina, women of color. So if you think about it, and, and I collected the data too, it starts to change to like chingona, badass, hustler. So like why can't those terms also be applied to us? These micro affirmations that um, Dr. Daniel Solorzano and, and Lindsay perez who's also who was also a, a, an academic mama, who's also a an academic mama, are working on like how can we change these very painful terms into micro affirmations, right? So I really appreciate you talking about stereotypes because I think we 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 don't often discuss that. And I think it's just it's funny that you say that like, you know, it's it starts at like high school. Like it those words resonate before you even hit an academic area where you feel like this is where I'm gonna like this is what I'm gonna do in school. You grow up and you know your brother or your cousins or your male counterparts in the family can do one thing. And they're praised or they're kind of like scaffold, like, oh, mijo, let me show you. And you do it and it's, I, why are you so irresponsible? Why? And it's like, why we're almost bred to think that we're incapable of going exactly. to school to yeah. like pursue these things. And it's like, once you strip that mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, this is just some kind of cultural thing that we've all acclimated to. And uh-huh. you realize that is not those words and those feelings and those traumas don't like define you and your success. Like mm-hmm. you're really gonna just like push off, mm-hmm. and you just gotta kind of like brush it. Like okay, I'm irresponsible, or like okay, that's kind of how I do it. Like, oh, you're doing that. Like you're not worried. Like no, I'm not worried because mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, but I think yeah, like you said, you know, it starts so much earlier than when you're already transferred or you're already in the community college. It's something that. You know, if you never heard about being irresponsible and you walked into a community college one day and someone's like, you're irresponsible, you're going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't know me. And it's the same thing when you're growing up. If you never hear it and all of a sudden you start hearing it consistently and, you know, your life changes. Once you hit, like, middle school, that's the shift. Like, you're going to puberty. You're looking at boys or you're looking at girls or you're learning how you identify in, you know, not just sexually, but as a human being. What do I like? What do I believe in? And you're hearing all these, like, deterrence of like oh we don't do that or we don't talk about that or we don't think that way and then you get to the level where you're literally learning like you go to college and that's what you do you learn what you love you find people like you that engage in things that you believe in and you still sit there even though you're sitting in these meetings and you're doing these things feeling like insecure like I don't belong here because it's not right Mm -hmm. but it's not Mm -hmm. not right it's just different exactly yeah, and I and I felt that I think even at the PhD level, even like where I am now, I still struggle to um, to challenge those internalized kinds of um, microaggressions, even against myself. Like I still struggle with that a lot. Okay, so I have another question for you. Um, 
can you tell us about, you talked a little bit about your community college experience. Can you tell us about MOCA and how you started it? And I'd like to say that you're the first official um, MOCA outside of the UCLA. So it's I want to I wanna hear your story, girl. <laughs> so <coughs> last summer, I was invited by the Center for Community College Partnerships at UCLA to a summer parenting site. And I actually saw you and Nora. And uh, we did an activity in there. It was really quick because, first of all, it was the first time they ever had a parenting site. So we kind of like were rushing and we didn't really know what to expect. And I didn't really know how much that like whole 45 minutes was going to really impact me from you guys just like talking about Mocha, talking about what you're doing. And like the points that you guys brought up, like lactation rooms and lack of access and lack of representation, it really resonated because while my school is not necessarily not parenting student friendly like there's no real deterrence from like bringing your kids there's also not really any support it's like back support besides our CalWORKs and our care program there's really like nothing else unless you're happen to be in a group of people that are parenting students there's not anything else so in that I connected with um, Michael Madre at school that I talked about her early sit lolly um, and she happened to know you Christine so you know, we just emailed back and forth and you helped us really just like get the language together because I had no idea what I was doing. Like, they're like, oh, type of constitution. I'm like, type of what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought, you know, we came together and it was like all beautiful and like mocha <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Some mocha f fancy dust. Yeah, like it was just like, poof, very, like very there's dust. a mocha. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. It was crazy the level of. I don't even know what to call it because at first it was pushback and like now it's just like still going on. And I'm like, I don't know if it's a personal problem. I don't know if it's like a parenting student community problem. <laughs> I don't know what it is anymore. Um, the lady that actually runs like the section of our school that handles like all the clubs and the activities and the organizations was like, oh, you know, um, you have to do this and you have to do, you know, you have to have 10 members um, on OrgSync electronically verified and they all have to have a 2.0 and they all have to be in great academic standing with no fees paid and da, da, da. and I was like for community college yes so that's why like all when I looked hoops. right and that's why when I looked at your constitution our constitution is 12 pages because it has to be oh like my and I was like so this is a good starting point but like where's the rest like and I was always like that's it like that's all and I was like okay like you know we'll make it work whatever and that was that. So then the year's going by and fall semester's going by and there's still like, oh, you know, how do we do this? Or there's just like, we would walk in to ask her a question and she would like roll her eyes. And I was just like, what, what? the? <laughs> right? What? I was like, okay. So I would just tell our Does advisor. Does nobody want to do their job? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so now we're in this semester, which is our second semester being MOCA, and hoping that there would be less of it, but there's not. So now the newer like issues and pushback with being MOCA is like we're having our parenting student celebration that I keep talking about. And initially our associated students was like, which is another club that she runs an organization. She was like, oh, you guys can use our balloon arch and you know, we'll help, da 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 da. Well, now we got in touch and we reconnected with her like, okay, you know, can we get that? What other resources do you guys have? well, I don't know if you guys want to use it because it's kind of like, you know, it's been, it's had better days. She's like, but also we're having our um, AS, like student leader award things the same day. 
And I was like, you got to be kidding me because we got this approved by the vice president last semester. So you'd like, you've known. There's no excuse for that. Yeah. And so I just talked to my advisor. and I'm like, I'm over this. Like, what is her problem? Like, what did I do? Like, all I'm trying to do is just like back up my people, just like the Students Without Borders undocumented students do, just like the ACT theater students do. Like, they are just trying to make some kind of like community for their type of students that's all I'm doing so what's the problem like what is it and like there's just like we've had the dean speak to her one of the biggest things that like really pissed me off was we have um it's called student leadership conference and so it's for you know all the student leaders to come and they had a panel so we had the student leadership conference and a couple of us had signed up to speak about like being student leaders on campus and what does that look like and so, of course, number one, I was the only parenting student on the panel of people speaking, oh, wow. which is like to be expected because there's obviously not a lot of like support mm-hmm. for parenting students. So, you know, not only did I speak about having my child and having Mocha to support other people like me and help give opportunities because it's like even for volunteers, so all the stuff they want you to have for transfer is like almost inaccessible if you don't have a support system because you have to volunteer for this club and you have to have a 3.0 to be in this club and you have to, like, if you don't have anybody but the daycare or the school that your kid goes to, the reality for me to go to a beach cleanup every Saturday with your club to be part of it, to transfer, is not likely. So, like, we try to do that kind of stuff for Mocha, like, okay, here's this coming up, here's this, let's try to figure something else out. Um, And so after we got done... (laughs) (laughs) so after we get done speaking we had questions because then it's like robert's rules and quorum and all that kind of stuff and there's a larger um there's a larger club they have like 15 members or like 19 members something odd so he had a really good question and i know them so i know that the joke wasn't like in bad taste he was like oh you know if we have 15 members is it like seven plus one so it's eight or is it like 8.5 and he's like we gotta ask you guys to bring your babies like we you know we're joking right and her response like i literally walked out i was so pissed and went to the dean directly because i was like what the fuck is this um she was like well you shouldn't even really be bringing your kids on campus without signing a waiver and i was like I was like, are you kidding? Like, are you, like, really? Like, this is how we're introducing, like, after I just sat on the panel, after I've had to deal with you for... (laughs) (laughs) Right? I was like, what? So I just walked, like, directly. My advisor is also my boss for CalWork, so I just, like, walked in, and I just sat down, and she's like, oh, God, like, what happened? And I told her, and she's like, well, we could just see if the dean's here, and, like, we went over, and, you know, of course... um, we had already brought up the other issues with the dean of student life, and nothing happened. So nothing you know, happened. No response. No then we get to Alicia, our dean, and you know she's like, "Well, maybe we can have Shayna deal with it now that I'm stepping in, which is the director." And still, like now we're having the problem with there. Our events might be, you know, like at the same time, which doesn't even make any sense because like nobody ever has events on Fridays, which is why we're having our event on a Friday. And, like, so much pushback, but, like, I don't even know that I want to call it pushback anymore because it just seems, like, almost like personal attack. Like, just. Are you paper trailing this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Definitely. Can you add something to that? So, I think for MOCA at UCLA, um, 
and I'm so sorry you have to go through all this shit, right? Like it just shows. It's also an example of like the 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 different forces that push people out, right? Of yeah, it's like the hostility. Yeah, totally. And I think like, do they not know that you're still protected under Title Nine? Do they not know that you there's like still, and I think that's what we fi- we fi- we figured out at, in Mocha the UCLA that um, a lot of faculty staff SAOs and stuff don't really know the policy that protects parenting and pregnant students which is why MOCA is really active um, in writing a current policy with UCLA to make it a more UC-wide spread system. But um, at UCLA, the uh, MOCA that UCLA has experienced similar things where also like student life um, has, or folks in, in the, within that same kind of like student rep stuff, you know, um, our advisors don't support our efforts and ignore us and think like they they really treat undergrads like shit like they do you know and so when they're when as as us as as Mocha who are mostly doctoral doctoral students when we get discriminated against like that we're like what the fuck why are they treating us like this like we are not this is not okay and yeah. so it's really frustrating to hear that um, that this it's is happening at the community college you know right and then it's like continuing even at four-year institutions and even throughout mm-hmm. with um, people on the tenure track and who are tenured, that it happens all along the way. Yep. And it, it's so frustrating. Um, yeah, so that's why MOCA exists. That's why we have you know our network of mothers of color and parents of color and allies. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about some of the... I know you've expressed some challenges, right, that you've experienced the pushback and, and I was saying how... Um, MOCA UCLA also has experienced it, but we also have some, we worked really hard the last four years and we've built some really good alliances. So can you tell us maybe some of the good, the the wins? What have been some successes? Um, One of the big successes has been the parenting student celebration. This this graduation um, thing is like, everybody's so almost kind of like baffled that like we're having it because no special <laughs> like there's nothing for any other special like communities and it wasn't even really that hard to happen it was more of like I probably could have asked at the beginning of fall but social anxiety was like no I'm not gonna do it yet I'm not gonna do it yet and literally I went in to the vice president of student affairs and was like this is what we're trying to do like you know are you okay with that like it was super informal it was really like unexpected because I hadn't set an appointment, but my boss was going to have a meeting with him anyway. So I just tagged along and was going to set the appointment and his appointment prior canceled. So he's like, I'll just see you guys now. And I was like, wait, like I don't have papers. (laughs) I don't have a computer. Like I don't have nothing. So it was just like, this is, you know, this is what it is. This is what we're doing. We don't really know what it looks like yet, but you know, are you like on board or not? And he was like, yeah. And he picked the date and, he was kind of like, oh, you know, you guys could do like taco guy or you guys could do like this. And so we just kind of stuck with whatever he said because we were like, okay. And <laughs> um, that's been like the hugest win probably because the recognition, like it's now, as of last week, it's campus wide. Like all the departments know, like uh. it's been sent via email. Their financial aid offered to, they have like a school wide texting system. So we drafted a text and that's going to go out this week. To um, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You know, those are like, gotta let them know. Yeah, <laughs> like in those instances, it's been awesome seeing like the unification and the s- and the support. And um, other wins are just like getting to Mocha. Cause I even have people reaching out to me on Instagram, yeah. like, you know, I want to be a Mocha, but 
you know, this is my schedule. I can't do it. You know, how can I, how else can I join or how else can I be involved? And, you know, I just tell them whatever we have coming up. Um, this is, you know, you can't be an official member now because it's closed because of all the weird, Policy. like, policies that we have. Um, but I always welcome my mochas. I have mochas that can't be official mochas, but they've been here for the last two semesters because yeah. they have a 1.9 and they're not 2.0. And I'm just like, damn. If you don't understand that keeping up a 2.0 with, you know, sometimes there's kids have like special needs, like you need to really understand who you're dealing with. It's and not such little resources too. Yeah. Is there a rate change at college? There's not as far as we've been, I've been looking into it because I have a lot of like mochas that are like, I want to be in it, but I can't because of this. And so far we haven't found anything, but I'm still like digging, kind of being like, that's not. You know, because even for our disabled students, they have a club and theirs is the same way. Got to have 2.0. And I'm like, that sucks. Like you might literally have a learning disability and you can't have that. Right. It's like a barrier. Yeah. So we've been working on that. But even in in that, our CalWORKs office and our care office are super supportive. They always put our flyers up. They're always, you know, telling other people and even like the other counselors and EOPS that know me, know about MOCA, they're talking about it on their other campuses, which is, you know, it's going to reach the right person and then that's going to spark something on that campus. And that's the hope with that. So there's been a lot of support outside of like the systems and the administration that we have to actually interact with daily. So it's been a lot of winning. It's just, you know, getting the word out there. Like we are here. We don't always have our babies, but we're still here and we're still in your classrooms and we're still, Mm -hmm. you know, in your offices Mm -hmm. and we're still not supported. Mm. So. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm like, damn, I'm like, damn, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, girl, <laughs> lay it thick, lay it on thick. Speaking the truth. Yes. And I, mm-hmm. oh man, it, it's going to be amazing to meet some of the moms. Can you tell us how many folks are graduating for that day? Um, for, from MOCA, we only have one that's graduating for sure. No, I'm lying. We have three. Um, but also like school-wide right now, we have about 60 people coming. So. Wow. It'll be a pretty big event because campus-wide's not all the way out yet. So Nice. And now we're just pretty much waiting on our mocha shirts, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So we did kind of switch up the logo that you gave us because we have a super creative, like, Gomadre on the e-board. And it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be cute. So look look out for that. So you have an Instagram if you want to share with folks. It's um, Mocha de Rio on Instagram. Yeah, at yeah. Mocha de Rio. Sorry, okay, I got cool. confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Mocha de Rio Hondo at gmail.com. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so support the Mocas in community college, support Selena, support all the mamas in your life and parents or however they identify. Um, just any way that you can. Every little help, any kind of support really, really does make a big, big difference. Um, oh, and then I'm looking forward to, I really want to hear just kind of follow up later when Christine, when you do the, uh, the speech or the keynote, right? So Christine's going to go represent, um, Mocha and Chicana Mother Work to, um, speak at this, the graduation that Selena's organizing. So I'm really looking forward to that. So let me know how it goes. Um, so then the last two questions kind of like thinking in the future. So what you're doing now, you know, uh, you know, trying to organize your campus and um, these events and the advocacy and furthering your own studies and being a Chicana single mom. So 
where do you see yourself um, in the future? Like, what are your biggest hopes and dreams? Um, PhD, definitely. Yeah. When people ask me, when are you, like, <laughs> when are you going to be done with school? Or, like, when are you going to have time? I'm like, I think I got, like, nine more years because I still got, like, bachelor's and then mm-hmm. master's and then PhD. And they're just like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, I'd just rather be doing this than anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so definitely then. As far as career goals, I'm super stuck. Um, my friend said Lolly wants me to do college counseling, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's where my heart's at, but the more and more that I've been looking at it, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I can do that, like, adjunct while I'm doing my PhD and kind of just, like, offset it that way. Um, but I pretty much want to do, like, Chicana, Chicano, like, ethnic studies professor at some point mm-hmm. and kind of continue activism that way. Mm-hmm. more so at the community college level because yes. I think that's where the foundation yeah. is laid. Right. Like you can go to a UC Chicano Chicano Studies program and I don't feel like that foundation's as laid as it would be like when you go to community college and it's raw, like one of our Chicano Studies, she teaches a Chicano politics and it's like raw, like you have to analyze tons of articles on Chavez Ravine and explain why like, it was okay for them to do what they did or explain why it wasn't, and you just get really in-depth, and you mm-hmm. talk about the brown berets, and, like, mm-hmm. to set that fire into somebody right. and just, like, spark it is, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love, even if it's only one person my whole, like, professora, like, career, like, right. I'm good with it. It's going to be more than one. <laughs> <laughs> so, definitely, we're here to support you, and, you know, anything you need to help you just all along your path. So, you're definitely not alone, um, and especially as a single Chicana mom. And um, Michelle Thea's, you know, in Chicana Mother Works, also mm-hmm. a single Chicana mom, and she's been a badass in uh, academics and the community. So um, so we're here for you. Thank you. And then the last question is, um, so what advice do you have for um, specifically single Chicana and women of color moms? So I know um, we did, a li- before the podcast recording, we were talking about there is a difference if you're partnered or you're married, um, but there are s- specific um, challenges that single Chicana moms have and single women of color moms and the stereotypes and the microaggressions that Christine was talking about, um, they're just, it seems like they're amplified by like 100 if you're a single Chicana mom. So what would you say to anyone out there who might be listening to this? Um, you got to team up, like whether it's on your campus or it's out. I didn't and even still don't really have, besides my mochas, like my other care students, I don't really talk to them. Like I'm part of the program and, you know, I get my gas card and I do the whole thing, but I don't, I don't identify with them. But it was almost like when I went to CCCP in the summer, I met parenting students from many campuses and all of us shared the same problem, whether you had a partner or you didn't. And just making community and building it and knowing that my friend at ELAC is going through the same things that I went through. Like one of my friends right now, she just broke up with her partner and they have two kids. Mm. And I remember what that was like. I remember having a little one and, you know, leaving and starting over and doing the whole thing. And it sucks. So partnering up and just being like, this is, these are my people, whether Mm -hmm. they're your blood people, whether they're people you've met in academia, whether they're friends that you've had for 16 years, Mm -hmm. keep your support system and what works with you like strong because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to get through it. It's hard mm-hmm. and cut people out. I never, 
I never hesitate to phase anybody out anymore, whether they're family, whether if you're just sitting here and you're critiquing my major and you're critiquing my career choice, then you don't need to be here for the journey. Like, that's cool. That's like, right. So don't, I mean, don't be, it's scary. Like, I'm not going to say when I started doing that, I wasn't like terrified, but mm -hmm. it's huge to make sure that the foundation that you lay for you and your child while you're going through academia, that's what she's going to look at. Like my daughter, she's going to look at, oh man, my mom went to school for like nine years straight. Mm -hmm. So if she could do that with me, I can do that mm -hmm. after high school. That's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Or I could do it when I'm 25 and I decide to go back or I can do it when I have my little one. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is keeping your foundation strong for you and your little one because school is hard, especially yep. with a little one right. or a big one. Because I have friends that have like 13 year olds and they're like, yeah, yeah. middle school, yep. high school age. So <laughs> keeping that support system strong is and finding it if you don't have it, like don't be scared to find it. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, did you have something to add, Christy? just want to say thank you for your work, your labor, your hustle. We see you and um, we support you. And and hopefully you come to UCLA soon so I can catch you, for catch you for at least one year or at least a quarter or so before I phase out. So it's an honor to to work alongside from distance, but alongside with you. And in, in, in um, I'm happy that you came. And I know sacrifice a lot to be here this weekend. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And the very last thing we're going to do is I do have something, some self-care, a self-care item for Selena and Christine. So this is for you. Thank it's you. called um, Bay's Body Butter. Shea butter, cocoa butter, apricot oil, <laughs> jasmine, <laughs> lavender essential oil. So wow. it's for, you're your own bay. <laughs> <laughs> and it soothes, moisturizes, repairs, directs dry cracked skin, hydrating and nourishing, reduces inflammation. Um, and my friend, oh, and then this is my favorite part. This I'm just reading from the label. It says, prepared with organic and fair trade ingredients, feminist politics and healing <laughs> intentions. <laughs> so my friend, uh, shout out to Nancy Aragon. Um, she makes it, hand makes everything and- uh, It smells amazing. Yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, it feels, if you wanna try some right now, yeah, it, I know. it feels so good. Already oh, it's already in the <laughs> she's already in. <laughs> and um, it's called Medicina Plancestral, <laughs> and it's plant-based remedios and potions and workshops. So hit up Nancy to get your own. It's so beautiful. Um, so this is just part of like um, self-care and community care. So I hope you all, I hope you two enjoy it. Um, something to take home with you, um, and that we're here for each other and we care for each other. So you know, thank you for your time. Um, I know it's been difficult with our, our little ones, but <laughs> they, they've been, you know, they're here, they're here with us. Um, and a, a quote that I, I like to think about when I hear, because um, there's just so many haters about like, when you take your kid anywhere, like people, like random people like shh, or like- Or they um, serve you super like face. Yeah. And they're just like, uh -huh. what's your problem? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just so hostile, like not only in our schools, like we're talking about, but just like any space, yeah. any space in community, like where are we supposed to be then? Well, yeah. definitely. Like, if my daughter would have had a meltdown, like she just did, like at the mall, I would have. It would have been like, oh my god, like yeah. what's wrong with her baby? And it's like she's three. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I think um, so it, it's 
it is part of just um, being accepting of kids because as you were saying, um, Selena, it's like our kids watch what we do. They might not look like they're paying attention, but they are. And a quote I like to think about is um, children's noise is the sound of our movement growing. So because if we bring our kids with us to like school or to like uh, advocacy events or whatever, a march or mm-hmm and they're observing and they're listening and they're playing or making noise or whatever, but it's just like, they're going to be the next generation that's going to pick up the activism that we're doing. So all the haters need to (laughs) 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 keep it to themselves. (laughs) You're not going to help. You got to go. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think that's really important because, um, and thank you for that. Sadopa's quote, because, um, for those folks who are really, trying to be an ally to a parenting student and I don't get sick of telling you but I kind of do get sick of saying it is that we have to consider mama's time mama's in the have to negotiate daycare or a babysitter um like we try really hard we want to be at these things right and sometimes we have to say no for the most part sometimes I have to say no but like we we have to also have boundaries so that also like something to consider if you're going to be an ally like for real like seriously consider what the mama needs at the moment you know because it's really difficult to just even get out of the house and bring your child and plan and be on time like it's so hard so just um if we bring our kids like please be considerate and so i want to just shout out the folks who have done that work because i think over the years of organizing as mocha like we have a lot of allies who are so fucking down now they're like i'll bring crackers and crayons and coloring books and juice boxes i'm like dude that's fucking down and like and they, now they say, come and bring your kid. Like, now they consider those things. Whereas before in organizing, they, that wasn't even part of the conversation. So we see you for those who are helping us out. So it's just a reminder for those who, like, to be a good, a dope-ass ally, it also includes considering the child that comes with us. Right. It's all of us. It's the interconnected layers of all of our identities. Yep. Okay. Um, I think that's the end of this podcast uh thank you all for listening um we look forward to keeping the conversation going we look forward to continue working with selena um and mocha um and we will be on the air again very soon so thank you selena thank you christine and thank you to our babies thanks everyone and looking forward to hearing from you please drop us a line um like us on itunes and send us a message if you want to do something